There's a severe lack of trust in the ability to throw the football. How does that impact the rest of Auburn's season? Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com, as well as a million other places, discussing Auburn's heartbreaking loss, 28-21, to 21, at the hands of Ole Miss. And I made the comment, Yesterday, Lindsay, in our, our post-game reaction show, like in one way that score feels right, that one touchdown differential, and then in another way it kind of feels like Auburn could have lost by a lot more, but they didn't. They didn't. It was a, a one-score game when it's all said and done. But the biggest takeaway from Saturday's loss, and there's a bunch of them, and we'll discuss a few of them here on today's show, obviously, Lindsay, but the first one is there's – there's a severe lack of trust in the quarterbacks throwing the ball downfield from the coaching staff to Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. And I guess technically Holden Gurner because he played now. Not really as a quarterback, but he, he was on the field. And when you look, Lindsay, at the, at the quarter-by-quarter breakdown of passes thrown by the Auburn Tigers, in the first quarter, they threw it twice. In the second quarter... They threw it four times. You're talking about a game that was tied at 14-all at the half, and you threw six passes. In the third quarter, you threw it no times. Zero passes. And then in the fourth quarter, when late, when when they needed to throw because they had to, they threw it 11. So what do you think that means, Lindsay? I mean, obviously, the, the game plan was to run the ball, which I have been very bullish on. I'm very pro running the football, but there's a lack of trust here. There has to be. Yeah, there's there's a disconnect between, I feel like, what Hugh Freeze wants to do and what's actually happening on the field. And I think the big question a lot of people probably have is, is the disconnect in the offensive game plan as like, are they afraid to call those things? Is the disconnect, they don't think that the players can execute them? And if they don't think the players can execute them, do you not trust the quarterback? Do you not trust the wide receiver? Do you not trust either one? And I mean, we, we've, we've shown you can go run heavy and you can win games. And it just feels, it to me, it feels odd that Cadillac Williams had an interim team where they were literally making it up on the fly. Uh, and it feels like they looked better on offense than this offense does. And I, I don't think I was prepared to say something like that this far into the season. And is the disconnect the play calls? Is the disconnect the scheme? Is the disconnect uh, the, the execution by the players? Is it all of it? And I, I don't think we know, and that's what's frustrating is we're not getting we're not getting that clarity as to do you not think the receivers can run the right routes? Do you not think the quarterbacks can put the ball where it needs to be? Where is the disconnect between what we expected to see and what we're seeing, which is frankly not good? It's not. It's not good. And I think when you look at you know. The, the, 
the lack of involvement from the wide receivers, it's pretty staggering, right? Rivaldo Fairweather got five of the, what, the, the 17 targets, which sounds right. Jay Fair and Jarquez Hunter both got three each, and then the rest of it, Caleb Burton got two, Coy Moore, Camden Brown, Tyler Fromm, and Javaris Johnson, they all got one target apiece. Like, these guys aren't involved in the offense, and I don't know whose fault it is, right? Like, is it, you know, the coaching staff clearly doesn't trust them, but I haven't seen anything for them to be like, you know what, they should trust these receivers, right? And so I, I think it's a twofold thing. But for Auburn to win, and and we people keep bringing up, you know, the Carnell Williams offense from over the last four games last season, and all that's fine. They were able to score against teams that weren't good, right? But I didn't think a whole lot of the Ole Miss defense. I still really don't, right? I mean, it was a pretty vanilla offense, and and Auburn kept it within a, a score, a historically good Ole Miss team and a historically bad Auburn team, and it was a one-score game. Like, I mean, that, you know, just let's just be honest here and call a spade a spade. But it, it just needs to be better. And I haven't seen anything that's really changed that much from the start of conference play to now. And even though they're running the ball a little bit more, which is exactly what I wanted, I've been begging for that for the last few weeks, and I still think it's the right move, you've got to be able to throw it. I mean, how often was it third and five, third and six, and they ran the ball? And it's just like that's not – that's not a recipe when a big issue is third downs this season, third down conversions. That's not how you are able to convert third down conversions, and that's not how you win football games. I know you and Daryl talked about this. I just want it real quick. How many of those third and sixes were third and ones and got pushed back five yards? Too so, many. Too many. The big thing to me, it's not even necessarily just the distribution of play of of passes per quarter and things like that when you look at like auburn's three touchdown drives right the first one was uh, a big run from jarquez hunter he broke sure. a 50 plus yarder which that's been he's been holding that in for a while i'm glad that he finally got a big one there yeah um and then you had an interception gave you a short field and then you had the two minute drill at the end that you had a big catch and run on fourth and 15. and so even the scores you got were I mean, were very much the passing game didn't really do much to help you create it and i don't know it's it's frustrating for the fans i'm sure frustrating for us and it makes me wonder i know we're going to we're going to touch on this later but like at what point do you see significant wholesale changes right because there's plenty of things you can change personnel staff all of that and like when are you going to do it i don't know but very I'm going to say demoralizing for Auburn fans. Like we knew this team was not going to be good this year. Yeah. And if you had told us heading into the season that we would, you know, that Ole Miss would be historically good, like you said, and we'd hold them to a one score game, you'd be happy with that. But the way that all of these games have unfolded to do what you did against Georgia and then to lay an egg against LSU and then to lose like that to Ole Miss. It's emotionally brutal for the people in that locker room. It has to be. Yeah. Like this is, it's got to be tough. And it's, it has to be, like, one, I'm concerned about uh, everybody having to deal with that, right? The fans, the players, whatever. I'm also concerned about what this says to the recruits, right? Because that's, like, that's been Hugh's whole thing. He, there's been games when he said he hasn't really 
focused on the actual game being played until 30 minutes before the game because he's busy I, I, with recruits. I don't think it impacts the recruiting because the pitch is we need you and we need you now. See I, how bad we are? <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think what happens this year is going to impact recruiting one way or the other. I, I really don't. I think the pitch may change a little bit if Auburn like wins out or whatever and it's like we've got momentum come be a part of this, but and I've talked to some of these recruits and some of these commits, like the, the pitches we need guys and we need, we need to be playing now. So I, I don't think losing, you know, five or six games this season changes that pitch. Right. Am I crazy for thinking that? I think if it's, if it's the season we're expecting where it's a six win season or maybe a seven win season, I think you're right. I think the calculus does change if it, ends up being drastically worse than that. And if you and go five and seven, if you go, yeah, four and eight or something, sure. That's yeah. fine. I'm, I think, I'm, yeah, I, get that. I think there's that, but for the most part, uh, yeah, it's the, the difference in six and six and five and, and seven and five to recruit. I don't think is that significant. Um, it just, it just, that's part of the negative feelings you have when you watch a game this bad as you're like, well, my man, like who's going to want to come here and play football? Like really? And so I think, I think that's part of it. We're, we're still in our feelings from this. You yeah, may have moved on. I'm still in my feelings. It, uh, I mean, I've done two podcasts already about it. Now this is my third one talking about this game. I'm feeling a little bit better, but man, that one with Daryl right after, holy cow, that was, I was not in a good spot. Not in a no. good spot at all. Especially rough. when we brought up the, the double pass. That wasn't great. Uh, I want to talk about another big takeaway from Saturday, and then we'll also touch on quarterbacks, but I think we may see a new offensive line moving forward, Lindsay. That's my second takeaway, and we'll discuss that in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Athletic Brewing Company, and just like Athletic Brewing Company, they bring us our Athletic Brewing Company player uh, game changer of the week, and much like Athletic Brewing Company, they've changed the game with non-alcoholic beer. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Marcus Harris continues to be a game changer for the Auburn Tigers. He is exceptional. He is disruptive. He has become a much better pass rusher from last year to this year, and uh, he's probably the best all-around defender that we have on our roster right now. Athletic Brewing, they've completely changed the game with their non-alcoholic beer game. They take their non-alcoholic brews to global competitions, and they beat out um, alcoholic beverages. I mean, it, it's the real deal. You don't have to sacrifice any type of flavor, full flavor of a beer. Uh, you can get non-athletic, or you can get non—excuse uh, me, Athletic Brewing um, non-alcoholic brews and you don't have to worry about hangovers or, or how they make you feel they're low calorie they're, they're delicious so you can head over to athleticbrewing.com you can find athletic brewing companies non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or at athleticbrewing.com first-time customers can use code locked on to get 15 percent off your order that's code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at checkout for 15 percent off at athleticbrewing.com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fit for all Times. Lindsey Crosby, our guest on this Monday, talked to someone very close to the program, very close to the situation. Sunday morning, they called me and they said, Hey, be on the lookout. Connor Lou's the dude. Connor Lou is the dude. Avery Jones has slipped over the last few weeks. And Connor Lou, the freshman, does not play like a freshman. Sounds like the veterans on this team describe him as a junior already, which is a huge compliment coming from your teammates. But I mean, this is a guy that he played uh, 47 snaps on Saturday and Avery Jones played 11. He got shaken up. And then Connor Lou 
um, took that position and was significantly better. Would not be shocked, Lindsay, if Connor Liu is the starter the rest of the way. And just think about that. And there's a chance Avery Jones holds on to it because of seniority or whatever. Like, there's a very real chance of that. But think about what do we say about Avery Jones when he came in? Like, this guy's played so much football, right? I mean, this guy's so got, experienced. Yeah. I mean, several years as a starter um, under his belt that is a center. And Connor Liu's going to come in here and win this job. I think if it's not this week, I do think it happens at some point this season as a freshman, as a true freshman at that. So, one, hats off to Connor Liu. And two, if they do make this move, hats off for this coaching staff for putting the best five on the field. Yeah, it's 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 not easy to move on from your handpicked guy that you went out and got, right? Like like it's it's almost I'm not gonna say admitting that you were wrong, but it's it's a big deal to like take the handpicked guy that you went out and got and say, Yeah, no, we're gonna play somebody else over him. And you've seen you've seen them Peyton Thorne is the is a captain and is the is the starting quarterback, but you've seen them rotate Ashford in a lot, and that was more of a we've seen what he could do. He's experienced. He struggled, but we've seen what he can do. We need to get him involved. Connor Liu is just this kid's a freak, and he needs to play yeah. more. And I think that if Connor Liu is the guy going forward, whether it's this week, next week, whatever, that does to me raise the floor for next year's team a bit because he gets some of that learning curve behind him. He gets to deal with you know, a twist or a stun up front and, right. you know, get some experience with some of that. Uh, it's just, that's got to be tough, right? Like you went out, Avery Jones was the guy and you said, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to bring in an experience center to run this show for us, charge of our protections, do all of that. And it's not worked out. And to me, the question is, it, has Avery Jones been that bad? Is Connor Lou that good? And what took if, if Connor Lou is that good and has been that good, what took so long to find a way to get him in the lineup? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a reasonable question. But I, um, if it's close, I say start the freshman. Because, yep. like you said, let's raise the bar or raise the floor, I think, to use what you just said, as much as possible for next season. Let's go ahead and start it. Let's go ahead and start it. And I think... Uh, the offensive line will certainly be a part of that, especially when you talk about there was a battle between Xavier Miller and Jaden Muskrat. I think both of those guys will start on next year's offensive line or at least compete for spots on Auburn's offensive line. Mm -hmm. Dylan Wade, he may come back. I don't think he's had as good of a season as he thought he would, so we'll see. I don't think the NFL is going to love his height either, so hopefully he comes back and there's a world where, like, okay, Gunnar Britton's your biggest loss on the offensive front, and, I mean, he's fantastic. He's been great this year, but yeah, um, we'll certainly see what that looks like. All right, uh, quarterback. The more I look at it, and to kind of circle back to, you know, what we talked about, them not trusting the quarterbacks to throw the ball, and they threw it so little over the course of the game and very little over the first three quarters, if you're not going to trust Peyton Thorne to throw the ball, Robbie Ashford should be the starter. I, I think it's that straightforward. It, it's so interesting and went to the game with my wife Saturday. We we're talking about it. And she's like, they're both kind of doing the same thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really kind of are doing the same thing. I mean, you put Peyton in and he's running a bunch of read options stuff. And I'm not saying they're bad play calls. I, I think he's shockingly more mobile than I think any of us realize. But if you're not going to throw it with him or throw it effectively at this point, and 
I think there's a difference between calling passes and being underwhelmed by his performance versus just not doing it at all or hardly doing it at all. And to me, Lindsay, it, it's time. I think it's time to go with Robbie Ashford. I said that last week. Um, Hugh Freeze said that he didn't think the two quarterback situation was, you know, impacted the outcome of the game. All right. Don't know if I would have said that, but cool. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I think I think it should be Robbie's job moving forward. Yeah, it it if nothing else, you need to pick a guy simply because you keep getting dumb issues. You you touched on it. That third and one offensive uh procedure penalty when you took Robbie out and you put Thorne in at the goal line, which one, why are we taking Robbie Ashford out of out at the goal line? I thought the whole idea of him was to have another uh, legitimate threat, make them cover all 11 guys yeah. in the red zone. Uh, but you t- you touched on the thing. It's if you're not going to be trying to push the ball downfield with Peyton Thorne, if you're not going to be using his arm talent, stick with Robbie Ashford because Robbie Ashford is just a special athlete. We saw that last year. We saw what he was able to do when he got into a groove, when you called the right kind of plays for him. And while Peyton Thorne can get it done, Robbie, like the whole reason you've been talking about you had to have a package for Robbie Ashford was because he was a special athlete and he was he brought an element to your offense that you didn't have with Peyton Thorne under center. And if you're not, and I assume the element you went out and got Peyton Thorne for was the arm. And like you said, if you're not going to let him use it, let Ashford play because ostensibly he does what Peyton Thorne does from a rushing perspective better. Yep. And you're not calling pass plays anyway, so who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, I mean, at this point, just go full support our troops and run the triple option for all I care. Like, if that's what it takes, if running the ball 50 times a game is what it takes for Auburn to make a bowl game this year, maybe but with Robbie Ashford under center, maybe that's what you got to do. Maybe, and, and I think that style of offense will be good enough to beat a lot of the remaining teams on Auburn's schedule. I don't think a lot of Mississippi State. I don't think a lot of Arkansas. I don't think a lot of Vandy. I don't think a lot of New Mexico State. And I mean, Auburn should, at this point of the season, we'll talk more about Arkansas in a second because it's mm-hmm. interesting kind of conference wide news happening there. But Auburn should win those four games. I firmly believe that. Um, I think Auburn's path to the next few wins gets significantly easier now that this gauntlet of these four past games are behind them. And I think if they play like they did Saturday night against any of those teams, they win, Lindsay. And I think you can do that by really relying on running the football. With the way this defense is playing, I think you can. So we'll see. We'll certainly see what that looks like. But some interesting news. You got one more thing? Sorry. The big question sure. I have is earlier in the year, it looked like Pey- uh, Robbie Ashford's playbook was smaller. And for Peyton Thorne in this most recent matchup, they shrunk Thorne's playbook versus expanding Robbie Ashford's playbook. So if you stick with, go with Robbie as the guy, are you going to, what are you going to do as far as you're going to rotate seven or eight plays you feel confident about? Or are you going to give him more variety and things to keep the defense off balance? Because they're already going to be keen run every play. Just mm-hmm. something to think about in, as we go into this week. Sorry. Yep, no question about it. All right, some interesting news coming out of Arkansas, and I think it impacts Auburn in two different ways. We discussed that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest, best, and most efficient way to play daily 
fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. You're not going up against these professional gamblers or professional sports bettors or professional sharks. It's you versus the numbers. You just see uh, you pick more or less on two to six player stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. They've also got a thing set up where if a player that you have um, stake in leaves in the first half, they take it off the board for you altogether, which I think is incredible. That's incredible. Nobody else does that. Are you kidding me? So uh, be sure to do that. It's the most fun I've had playing uh, daily fantasy. And look, my fantasy team stink this year. Surprise picks is really the only relevant matchups that I have now. Uh, but you can win up to 25 times your money this football season. You just got to select two or more players, pick more or less on those projected stats, and place your entry. So uh, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Our Monday guest, Lindsey Crosby, hanging out with us for a few more minutes. Conference-wide news, I think. I think it's pretty telling. Coming out of Arkansas, they fired their offensive coordinator, Dan Enos. Very few people thought that Dan Enos was good at his job. Arkansas uh, hired him anyway, and then everybody picked Arkansas to have this tremendous season. And so that didn't happen. That's not happening. They've lost six straight now at the hands of Mississippi State. They scored three points in that loss. And... I think it impacts Auburn in two ways. We'll talk about the first one, and that is the fact that, okay, people are going to start doing this now, and I don't see any way Philip Montgomery is Auburn's offensive coordinator next year. I'm rooting for the guy. I hope that this all turns around, but I would just be shocked at this point if Philip Montgomery was on staff next year. So, Lindsay, do you think this is something Auburn should consider following the ways of Arkansas, or do they say, no, Let's just let this play out. Let's let Hugh Freeze do his thing so then we can kind of all put all the blame on Philip Montgomery for this entire first year when you look at the offense, and then we can just kind of move on from there. I think there's – you can't make this decision, right, on the coordinator and whether to fire him or not without making the quarterback decision. I think if you are insistent on continuing to rotate these two guys and waiting to see if somebody can take off or somebody can do it, then that affects the the courier conversation. If you're going to commit to Robbie as the guy, and we're going to go run heavy in this stretch of the, this five game stretch here to knock off these four teams and try to knock off Alabama and what is feels like a very classic Alabama defense, which is tough now. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have to think: Can Philip Montgomery call that for us the right way, or do we need to do like what happened last year, have an interim come in and go run heavy? Um, but if you're going to stick with the quarterback thing, if you're going to stick with playing both of these guys, then that's where if Philip Montgomery is the problem, if you think he's the problem, his play calls not being willing to call passing plays for these guys is the issue. Then you let him go. Who takes over? Who calls plays? I'm assuming he would call plays, but mm -hmm. he's been very hesitant to do that. Does the offense look better if he was calling plays? Is he willing to take that mantle on knowing that he's been so focused on recruiting and this would take a lot of time away from his recruiting? Because look at your offensive staff. You've got 
Marcus Davis at wide receivers coach. I don't think he's called plays. Cadillac didn't call plays last year, even though he no. was head coach. And so it's, if you let Montgomery go, Hugh has to take time away from recruiting to call plays. If you think the payoff of better offense down the stretch is worth him spending less time on game day recruiting and midweek recruiting, then you can make the move and let Hugh call plays. But it feels like that's not something Hugh wants to do. And what's yeah. the outside perception going to be if Hugh Freeze makes a big deal out of, I'm going to give up play calling, he's going to call plays, and then six, seven games into the season, you can the guy and Hugh takes back over. Well, and then what if Hugh takes over and the offense doesn't get better? Like, I, I don't think it's worth it from like Hugh Freeze's point of view. Like, you want to kind of almost separate yourself from it. This Charlie is his Fox offense, and it's Charlie struggling. I said that like a month months ago, and I'm like, that's crazy. And now I'm kind of like, ah. I don't know if it was necessarily planned that way, but I get the thought process now. What you're saying is Charlie Five has sabotaged the offense. That's uh, okay. I, I just think Charlie Five is really smart. He may not know what an overfront is, but I think he's really, really smart. So we'll leave it at that. In regards to the second point of how you know, I think Arkansas moving on from their OC impacts is, is obviously Auburn has to play Arkansas in a few weeks. And I think this is a chance where Arkansas's offense could possibly be better <laughs> than they have been just because it's something different. What they were doing clearly wasn't working with KJ Jefferson. And so I, I think Auburn's Auburn's battle in Fayetteville gets a little bit tougher just because I think the, I think the, the ceiling is lifted a little bit just because the ceiling was kind of lower than a lot of people thought going into the season. And so I think that's worth monitoring. So we'll definitely watch that offense over the next few weeks before Auburn heads up to Fayetteville. And correct me if I'm wrong, that is their first home game after firing him because they're off this week and then they go to Florida. So that's their first home game since firing Enos. And to be clear, he deserved to get fired. They were 118th in yards per game. They were like 114th in running the ball. And if there's anything Arkansas can do, it feels like it's run the ball. Totally. That's what Especially they've been able to do. Pittman. Right. Exactly. So it that makes Auburn's road a little bit tougher. And if Auburn happens, even, even if they win, but it's a closer win than you would like, then you have to, like Auburn fans need to understand the caveat of this is a different Arkansas team than you thought they were going to be two weeks ago because they have somebody new calling plays. Yeah. But it's still going to look bad if you go to overtime or you score at the very end to, you know, to beat them with the record like they have. So frustrating for Auburn fans to know that, hey, they might be, that's, I'm not going to call it a trap game, but they might be better than we're expecting because they're making that change now. And I hadn't thought about the, if Hugh Freeze calls plays and it doesn't go well, because I just assumed it was going to go well with Hugh Freeze. But there you go. That's a good point. Thank you. That's why you run the number one daily Auburn podcast, Zach. Well, that was Charlie Five's edition a few months ago. And I've been kind of poking at him. And now I'm like, ah, I think he's right. We'll probably talk more about that tomorrow. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm curious to see Arkansas's development the rest of the way, because that could be, that was one that we all circled going into the season. And when you look at it, Auburn's quest for seven and five, I think is still very much alive because of how Arkansas has looked because of how Mississippi state has looked because Vandy being Vandy. So I, I still think this is kind of what we're looking at here. We don't have game times yet, but UCF plays Oklahoma state that same day. Can we borrow Gus Malzahn for one game? Because we know Gus Malzahn can beat Arkansas. <laughs> Can we just borrow him for one game? That was his annual I have I have career options game. That's all I want. One game. Yeah. 
Yeah, that guy hated Arkansas, and I was oh here for it. Gosh, it was so it was so much fun. That one weekend in November every year. It's like okay, good. Well, yeah, we're gonna win this weekend. Fifty six to three or something stupid. Yeah, yeah. It's like Eli Stove. We're gonna make you look like Percy Harvin, and everybody's just gonna be fine with it because we're playing Arkansas. Lindsey, how can people check out everything you've got going on, bud? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. You can find everything there, whether it's the sh- uh, the podcast, Locked in the Prospects, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's the Braves writing, Braves.com, the Auburn Baseball writer, AuburnDaily.com. Uh, or just you want to see stuff about me winning awards, you can do that there, Crosby Baseball. <laughs> you can find all my written work at AuburnDaily.com as well, and we will be back tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.